So this morning's text of Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew is about surprising exchanges, unexpected conversations. In this text in Matthew, we read of a visit from a centurion with Jesus. I invite you now to listen for God's Word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, appealing to him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible distress. And Jesus said to him, well, I will come and cure him. The centurion answered, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. But when Jesus heard him, he was amazed, and he said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and will eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the heirs of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you according to your faith. And the servant was healed in that hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? And so gracious God, we come on this World Communion Sunday to receive what you alone can give. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Surprising interactions and exchanges. I've always envied those kind of people who are so quick-witted that they respond in the moment with a perfect comeback. I always have to think of those later. I once heard a flight attendant on a cross-country flight ask a passenger, would you like dinner? And the passenger responded, well, what are my choices? To which she replied, yes or no. Police officers often come into some really unusual circumstances and have unexpected exchanges. One teenager sped by the radar trap about 30 miles an hour past the speed limit. Officer came out, pulled him over, got out of his car, walked up to the young man as he was rolling down the window. I've been waiting for you all afternoon, the policeman said. Yeah, well, I got here as fast as I could, said the kid. (laughs) When he finally stopped laughing, the police officer told him to get out of there without a ticket. A little girl asked her mother, where did the first people come from? The mother answered, well, God made Adam and Eve, and they had children, and all humankind descended from them. So the little girl went to ask her father the same question, and he answered, well, many years ago there were monkeys, and the human race evolved. 
The confused little girl returned to her mother and said, Mom, how is it possible that you told me that the human race was created by God and Dad said that they developed from monkeys? The mother replied, Well, honey, it's really simple. I told you about my side of the family. He told you about his. Surprising exchanges. What's surprising in the Gospel of Matthew about this exchange between Jesus and a centurion is not the witty reply, but that it even takes place at all. After the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus first heals a leper, and then he heals the servant of a centurion from a distance. These two are both outsiders and ritually unclean. Lepers were barred from participation in the worship or the social life of the entire country. They're the archetype outsider, unable to enter Jerusalem at all, forced to yell at the top of their lungs, unclean, so people could keep their distance. Just think of someone that perhaps you have run into or encountered on the streets of Los Angeles or Pasadena, a homeless person, someone dirty, someone smelly. Think of how you keep your distance. Gentiles, like the centurion, were allowed into the city of Jerusalem, but they could only go as far as the court of the Gentiles. And only a leper was more unclean than a Gentile. The centurion was not only a Gentile, but he represented the Roman occupying force and was despised by those who sought independence. This afternoon, we start this series on Germany between World War I and World War II. So think of a Nazi officer in France approaching a Frenchman. It's a surprising exchange. Despite the remarkable impediments to even having this conversation, Jesus, rather surprisingly, offers to come to his home and cure the servant. Now, eventually in the story, he cures him from the distance, but it doesn't begin there. Jesus offers to cross all of these barriers, culture, religious etiquette, race, ethnicity, even cleanliness. Jesus is approached by a representative of all that is unclean, and Jesus is already halfway there. I will come and cure him. The centurion doesn't really even petition the Lord for this. He merely states the facts that he has a servant at home. And Jesus is already predisposed to help, to cross every boundary to do so, even though it will lead to criticism of him when he does so. You know, sometimes I think we, we have this image that we need to badger God into action. 
We seem to think that if we just get enough people praying, petitioning God on behalf of someone or ourselves, then the Lord will finally awaken and take pity upon us. But this story reminds us that the Lord's already predisposed to help and is already halfway there waiting for us. You don't need to petition necessarily. Just tell God the facts. He's already predisposed to climb over every barrier to meet needs. You who are outcasts and think yourselves beyond the circumference of God's love are included within it. All it takes is faith to make it your own. What's surprising is that faith is found here in someone who doesn't have the background for it, and it's not expected. I've found people like that outside the church, people of great faith who don't have the background for it. There's a lot of talk these days about millennials and the nuns and their atheism. But I can tell you, I've had so many conversations with millennials who express the most profound and vibrant faith in Christ. A young woman from Sweden coming from a culture that's highly secular, so much so that she was embarrassed to express her faith in her own country. In that context, people just think you're weird if you believe in God. She told me that after... She came to this country. She began to find the language she needed for what she had experienced all her life. She had a sense of hopefulness about the future and a sense of God's presence with her. She just didn't know how to define it. She finally found the language in the church that expressed what it was she was experiencing. Faith cuts across boundaries. It's not the servant's faith that brings healing here, by the way. It's the faith of the centurion. So our faith, our petitions on behalf of others are not inconsequential. Intercessory prayer makes a difference. Your faith can make a difference for other people when you intercede for them in prayer, and you'll find the Lord is already halfway there. Now, long ago, Augustine made this comment about the church. There are many sheep outside the church, and there are many wolves within. This text also calls into question those who think they're securely within the circumference of God's love and grace. The ones who think they're sheep are not exempt from judgment. Some have seen this passage as some justification for anti-Semitism. There's no such justification here. I've been studying Dietrich Bonhoeffer in preparation for the series that we're about to launch this afternoon. What Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace is what is being warned about in Jesus' words here. 
Jesus reserves the harshest criticism, not for those outside the church, but for those who think they're within the church, but only superficially. And it raises the question, I think, for all of us, what is it we now have within our power, within our grasp, that if we squander one day, we may bitterly regret ignoring the opportunity, taking for granted what we have within our grasp. So there's a warning here in this text. I guess in our series entitled Unmasking, we could say that Jesus unmasks those of us who think we are superior. Superior because of our breeding or our ethnic heritage or our educational achievements or our social status or our exclusiveness. It's a dangerous thing when religious communities become too sure of themselves. So we dare not be too self-assured that we have the answers or that we are the kingdom of heaven incarnate. The church, like each of us individually, needs to take the log out of our own eyes before we attempt to take the speck out of our brothers' and sisters' eyes. Exclusivity disfigures the community of faith. You know, the word eureka is an exclamation used to celebrate discovery. It's a Greek word. It literally means, I found it. Most famously, the word's attributed to Archimedes of Syracuse, who lived 200 years before the time of Christ, a mathematician, an astronomer, an engineer. And he reportedly exclaimed, eureka when he was taking a bath and suddenly understood the volume of an irregular object could be calculated by finding the volume of the water displaced when the object is submerged in water. He watched the water level rise as he entered the tub. And it was a solution to a problem of how to assess the purity of an irregular golden crown. Since he couldn't melt it down, he had to find some way to determine its worth without damaging the crown. And he realized it could be determined by dividing the object's weight by its volume. One could then calculate its density, and that would be an important indicator of purity. And it is said that Archimedes leapt out of the tub, ran through the streets of Syracuse naked with excitement at his discovery, Eureka! New discoveries emerge from the most unexpected places. And the most unexpected people. This is research at its best. You never know when you're going to stumble into something you weren't expecting. Solutions to problems don't always come as we might hope or expect them. Sometimes we have to ponder things for a long time. Sometimes the answers are obscure and only come indirectly. There are surprises in this life and surprising encounters with people. 
that challenge our self-perceptions and our self-understandings. So we're better off just dropping the superiority complex and opening ourselves to crossing boundaries. Today on World Communion Sunday, we face problems in our lives, problems in the world. Some of the challenges can just simply be overwhelming. There are ideological differences that threaten open conflict within our nation and between nations. We simply have difficulty living together. We have difficulty understanding each other and difficulty sharing the planet. Tensions escalate. That's one reality. We read about it in our paper every day. And we dare not remain passive in the face of these challenges or in the face of that reality. But there's another reality. A reality that we celebrate this morning. Like Archimedes, many are discovering that there's a, re a resolution to these challenges that is already here, but not yet fully apparent. It's a resolution by God's grace, known to us in Jesus Christ. That which divides and separates is being transformed. This morning, all over the world, people are gathered in worship in the name of Jesus Christ, celebrating the Lord's Supper together. They're meeting in great cathedrals and in humble storefronts. They wear some of the finest clothing or the only clothes they have. They speak in different languages and from different nations. Their music difference differs, and so does their language but their hearts are raised towards heaven together. They look back this morning to that time when Jesus sat at tables with his disciple, his disciples, and he broke bread with them. But they also look forward to the time we will all share that feast and people will come from north and south and east and west to sit at table in the kingdom of heaven. Can you believe in the midst of one reality that there is another reality on its way? One of God's own making. In this coming reality, people live together celebrating their differences rather than being divided by them. And we get to choose even now to live in the midst of our reality empowered by the presence of that reality. Like Archimedes and like the centurion, people all over the world are discovering something which sends them into the streets shouting, Eureka, I have found it. They're discovering a reality in Jesus Christ and His power and presence in their lives to rise above. To rise above their own struggles, to engage in the struggles in the world, and to live into the future with a hopeful anticipation and imagination. That's the surprise of the Lord's table. 
It's pardon for our past. It's power in the present. And it's promise for our future. A different reality. Thanks be to God. Amen.